0: Would you like a hobnob? See, the thing about it is, Will. <laughs> what I wanted to—the reason I wanted to do a podcast, right? Yeah. Was ever since I watched *Planet of the Apes*. Oh, because those monkeys, right? Yeah. How did they get them to do that acting, man? It was mm. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I th- everyone. I think it was acting. Acting and welcome back, everyone, to uh, to the big screen podcast. We are not in comedy improv. How we've ever got a platform
1: from Twitter? I cannot believe it.
0: Uh, People follow uh, us for this. People, well, you know, we we just give the people what they want. Really, really poor Um, comedy references to the film we're reviewing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you're watching this, you probably know from either social media or, you know, the thumbnail that today we're reviewing uh, the latest film as of recording from Marvel Studios from the MCU. And that is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, I'll get it out of the way now and say that if you're wondering, why is he pronouncing it weird? That's how it's pronounced. I'm trying to be respectful <laughs> to the culture in question. Nervous yes, lactor. I know it's an A, but I know it's got an A in it, but it is pronounced chong Believe me, I have it on good authority from actual Chinese people. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So, yeah. Uh, this film obviously hasn't been out for super long. It did exclusively go into cinemas, unlike uh, Black Widow, which was a hybrid release with Disney Plus. Uh, myself and Will have both been to the cinema to see it. In my case, it was my first cinema trip since, unfortunately, Sonic the Hedgehog back in uh, <laughs> early 2019. Classic. <laughs> the irony be- was that when we went into the cinema me and my brother to watch this they have a massive um almost life-size statue of sonic the hedgehog it's like <laughs> he was mocking me oh so <laughs> when you
1: went to watch shang chi you actually saw the statue there
0: and then yeah of sonic the hedgehog oh dear like a proper i mean i say life-size but he's a hedgehog it's like four feet but even still it's like a full-on <laughs> a full actual foot. statue <laughs> and i was like Fair. what but anyway um this film at least I will say it was better than that one in my eyes in my opinion uh, do you want to tell the audience about your uh,
1: particular cinema experience with this film Uh,
0: yeah it wasn't it wasn't super comfortable that's the thing because um it was on a day when the temperature was rapidly approaching 30 degrees uh, and i was already nervous as, as this was my first trip in public since you know covid and everything so it was the first time i've been in a cinema and have to contend with wearing masks until you get into the screen and then being nervous about people sitting too close and stuff like that so on top of sort of sweating with the nerves i was sweating because i was slowly melting into my chair <laughs> um, so for um for you know a good chunk of the film i was like this is really good it's entertaining but i just want it to be over so i can go home and sit in front of my fan and (laughs) relax for a little bit in what Um, way
1: are you a fan
0: (laughs) exactly yes quite so (laughs) uh, yeah so no i wasn't comfortable watching the movie which i don't think it necessarily affected my view of the film my opinions were just as fair as they would have been and i'd have i pointed out in my letterbox review which you can read um that it's still kind of The film still sort of swept me up in its world and got me involved after, you know, 20 minutes or so. uh, I kind of forgot my nerves about COVID and everything. It was hard to forget the heat, but I was kind of like, well, you know. um, I forget what I did with that. I think I was just basically spraying the deodorant that I took uh, on me and Hmm. me and my brother were just sitting sort of fanning ourselves as best we could. You were in line uh, with the consensus. Like,
1: I know your opinions and you're definitely around the average, whereas I'm a bit wayward but that being said my experience was like the complete contrast to that first of all i well i booked 2d uh tickets right i can't mm. see 3d because of a uh, topic we discussed today i can't see mm. through my right eye so like 3d is off the cars for me yeah
0: i'm just the, same. My it's exactly the same i think yeah. it's probably <laughs>
1: the same for all like partially blind or whatever
0: if you only have one eye it doesn't work unfortunately uh, there we go, yeah <laughs> haven't quite mastered that level of technology yes
1: yeah, th- th- so 3d doesn't work and if we went in it literally just looked blurry like it would mm. without 3d glasses for like properly yeah. tired people but my point is um i booked for 2d but there's also a thing especially for the james bond films where i went to book earlier uh that is called uh 2d imax so it's
0: imax but it's oh, so 2d I mean 2dx the thing where like wraps around or are you talking about something different? It just said 2d IMAX Okay, fair enough, and
1: this was for James Bond That's coming up and I looked onto it and see what it described as cuz I was like Oh, I've never seen this and it Mm. just basically means that it's a bigger screen and stuff like that And then I thought hmm because I've been to my local view cinema like 20 times Mm-hmm. i'm probably going to go 20 times in the next 12 months to be honest with you i'm going to utilize it a lot if lockdowns uh stay away just because i know like lockdowns uh have already like stopped the cinemas so mm-hmm. i've g- gained a newfound appreciation for them Right, i just want to go more Did as you? opposed to going less but my point is that um we went to the cinema but we've never been in this particular screen before it was screen right. 12 and it has like a really really big screen and the cinema was like huge like usually there's about 120 seats in like this one block row like of course there's like two rows of uh, stairs to get up but this one there are about four or six and then in between each row there must have been like 20 rows of seats 25 rows of seats across so it was a really huge uh cinema and i thought was I watching it in IMAX? But I don't know because the audio sounded the same, but it just was a much bigger screen.
0: So, the but, IMAX, yeah, yeah. The only difference with IMAX is that basically the screen is the size of a wall, like it will get the entire I, wall would be the I think I must have watched yeah. it in IMAX then because, but yeah, it didn't it say like
1: it. IMAX like it did with James Bond, so I was really weird. But also in that screen, I've never been in there, of course, and it also had much comfier seats they're actually right. as comfy as the vip seats in the standard room so i was sat in a vip yeah. seat pretty much it felt like that so my experience mm. couldn't be more different to yours but just because yeah, i her. was really comfortable the heat the temperature should i say was perfect and i it, it wasn't like a hot day it was just like overcast so yeah. i think maybe I, I mentioned the consensus earlier because like i didn't want you to kind of uh, come across as or this film um, isn't as good as it could have been if it was a normal day, because you are definitely in line no, with no. what people think. Yeah. So I don't think it like made a huge detriment to your opinion.
0: No, not at all, but at the same time, I am looking forward to being able to watch the film either on Blu-ray or home release or whatever, at a time when I am kind of at home and comfortable. Um, even though my my views and opinions most likely won't change, but just because it'll be nice to watch it without kind of this, uh, the overriding thing in the back of my head of, yes, I I know what I think about this, but please be over so I can go, you know? Yeah,
1: (laughs) I I, I think Um, my opinions will definitely change because I do think I'm a bit of an outlier with this film. And Mm. that would sound like crazy about two weeks ago before we watched the film with all the critics' reviews. But my point is, it's like, i will get into it like in detail to say what i like yeah, what yeah, i just but i just felt really impressed by it like this is the f- i've mentioned it in my mailbox review you that you've seen but uh, many of the uh, ladies and gentlemen here I wouldn't have seen, but the point is, this is the only like the third, or oh, it may be my fourth because I thought about it after I post my review. But my, my review said this is only the third time my jaw actually dropped at a cinematic mm. experience in the Marvel world, kind of after right. Infinity War Endgame. Uh, so I said this is only my third, but it was actually my fourth after Iron Man 3. Because so I think right. in Iron Man 3, it's not a good film, it's one of the worst. But the, scene, the sequence, should I say, where Tony Stark like uh, has to save all the passengers and flight attendants... Oh, the barrel of monkey
0: sequences it's not
1: yeah i think so and i thought that scene yeah, yeah. was perfect and then infinity war um i can't quite remember the scene but i loved it and then and it's my favorite mcu thing and then also Endgame when Thanos snapped and that was another jaw dropping moment even though i knew it was coming and uh the scene in particular in this, that i was really impressed with was the scaffolding action scene and again exactly, yeah. i'll get into more detail about it later but A lot of the praise goes to the bus scene and rightly so it's a it's a really good scene but i think maybe it's because i didn't know it was coming because i heard the bus scene over and over again everyone was like oh bus scene amazing and i was just gobsmacked because i thought good but i hope that's better and then when there was better it was amazing, and I thought, "Holy crap!" Uh, was that the same for you? Because I'm sure you've heard about the bus scene.
0: But what did you think? Yeah, well, that was—that's kind of my initial thoughts on the film. Is that um, to start off positively because that's how my review did start off. Um, mm. I said that the film basically begins with three back-to-back action sequences that were all really good and that I really loved. Um, and that's the, the very start of the film is the fight sequence between Wu and, oh, and, I keep forgetting her name, um, Shang-Chi's mom, basically, yes. uh, when, they, when he first discovers they Tao. Talo, uh, excuse me, and they have a fight scene that's very reminiscent of like um, the kind of cinema that I love, the sort of Chinese or Hong Kong action cinema, so films like Hero or House of Flying Daggers, I was expecting a lot more fight scenes like that in the film, so that it started with that kind of fight scene I was really on board with and was like, yeah, this is cool, awesome. Um, yeah, 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 Even though it probably would have involved less of the kind of magical rings and whatever, um, but then again a lot of those things do kind of have them seeming like they're flying Bouncing off trees and yeah. stuff, anyway, because that's the style. So, I think in we're, any case, I'm uh, going to agree yeah. a lot here. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. any case, I like that scene to start with, and then it's not long after that that you get into the bus sequence, which is probably actually my favorite of the three. Okay. Um, which, because for me, it's the one that actually shows off the most that Shang Chi is actually the master of kung fu, yeah. which is what he's supposed to be. It's the only one where he's not using ridiculous magic or crazy physics or anything, and it's just basically. Uh, you know the the effect is that you're supposed to be as shocked as Katie is that this guy's just kicking all kinds of ass and he looks competent and his moves are all really good Um and I, I like that it was-,
1: was distracting in that sense in terms yeah. of it wasn't as impressive as it could have been because how I maybe it's just because of my the profession I'm going into but I saw it more from like a filmmaking viewpoint as opposed to like I'm invested as a fan like of course i was invested as a fan but i was just looking at how they made it like the framing of the shots the kind of shots they did how they edited it and i thought this is a bit distracting in terms of thinking about it from that direction i can i can see why she would be surprised but to me i was just like oh look at that slow-mo oh look at that uh medium close-up and that was the disappointing thing for me but that's my thing
0: that depends on your particular point of view that you're bringing to it then because and I haven't told you this <laughs> conversely to that my brother said that he didn't he liked those sequences but would have preferred it if they were slower because it was too quick for him I agree. because if you're watching uh, if you're watching actual martial arts then that's the way they move you know uh, there's a reason that the song goes you know they were kung fu fighting they were fast as lightning yeah. <laughs> because you really wouldn't necessarily unless you kind of literally do stop and sort of slow the, but the, the camera is, down I that's guess, why
1: so. I'm not a huge fan of this because it did go too fast in my opinion but that's only because uh, from a filmmaking perspective they tried to do so much with it like in terms of every single two seconds there was a cut And then we had a new angle, two seconds, cut, new angle, two seconds, slow motion, new angle, outside the bus, inside the bus. uh, We get some humor and I just think a lot's going on. I wish there was a bit of salty, like in the scene where the father meets the mother and it's like the little before the actual action sequence you have yes. a little pivot uh, like where a foot goes in a circle motion yeah
0: drawing a line yeah. in the sand that's a really common
1: thing exactly. in any sort of and if we party. had a moment like that where he just brings down the pace a bit to well, assert, is, as a
0: as see, see, there is a to me, that was the scene that's in all the trailers where he's basically standing in the aisle of the bus and he does the kind of hands pose at them. That was, but effectively that that moment was which at is like... the
1: start of the, that was just before the battle scene. I wish there was a yeah, bit in between.
0: It was too fast at that point, I would so, argue, but that's the way that up. those yeah, kinds yeah, of... It
1: was going too fast, so bring it down. Like, there was a scene where, oh, what's his name, Razor Fist, I think it, his name is. It is, yeah. Like, so. Razor Fist is, like, on at the back of the bus. But then uh, in the mid part he kind of gets flung to the back and then he kind of stands up and this is just before the bus is split in half and then he kind of does a somersault to kick him into the one and it kind of rips apart. But the point is he gets up and then uh, Shang-Chi kind of just stares at him. I wish there was a little moment of just like eye contact like this is my second wind in that sense as opposed to boom 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 boom. And then when he gets back up it's literally run straight at him boom 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 and i just think have a bit of solitude have a bit of a uh, cool down in my opinion but then again you I, have to consider yeah. the buses going like 60 miles an hour without yeah. brakes so it's going to be hectic
0: i don't agree i think you would need that pace and that's the way that those kinds of action cinemas are usually filmed even faster to be honest mm. um but that's fine we're, we're allowed to disagree uh but yeah. yeah so anyway i i really like that i, I see what you're saying in regard of I do wish it had been a little bit less of the kind of, oop, he's popping outside and then asking to be let in because it's a Marvel film, so we have to have a little bit of comedy quippiness going on, um, which I could have lived without. But I did like that they, they did the thing about the bus kind of splitting in half and, and everything. Oh, that and was great. Yeah. Made it into a cool sort of action sequence in that regard. Um, but yeah. Yeah. To move on, though, yes, I agree with you. I absolutely adored the uh, what's the, the scaffolding sequence in um mm. in Jowlings am I getting that in my Jowlings club Um, when they get on the scaffolding and stuff because that was I was literally digging my nails into the seat rests because I'm not great with sort of uh, people heights. dangling over yeah. like heights and stuff anyway. And when Katie, you know, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen the film by listening, um, but when Katie's like hmm. dangling, basically held by what looks like a single sort of pole or piece of bamboo over, you know, however many, f- you know, hundreds or thousands of feet or whatever, I was really truly it nervous. It could even though have it's, been. Yeah.
1: It's so easy to get that wrong as well. It could have yeah, 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 yeah. so bad, but like of course there's CGI of course you not dangling off the roof of a building but if you yeah. just turn your mind off it actually does look really real well,
0: that's the thing yeah and that's my point is that it kind of sucked me into that world because it was kind of like I'm really nervous even though I know Aquafina's not dead do you know what I mean yeah. so it's like the, the logical part of your brain but at the same time that's why you go to the movies it's like oh my gosh this character I hope they're gonna be okay and you know, obviously you, you know the actress is fine and you also know that the character is unlikely to die at that point yeah. in a movie But you still feel the tension and I think that's related to what you were saying about how it was It's a very breathtaking sequence in that way because mm. you do get sucked in and it does look impressive as they or as um, Strong mm. is doing all the kind of martial arts around it and stuff Yeah, The thing uh, for
1: me and, is, you know those yeah. um, old retro pictures of like a building being constructed and then you have like on the scaffolding you've got workers like without any ropes or anything just sat there sipping a cup of tea or whatever yeah yeah. (laughs) i i love how those pictures just show the calmness supposedly like of course there was a bit of wind and you're fucked, but just (laughs) the calmness of those pictures and i thought it took great inspiration from that and it actually the fact that marvel have taken something like I'm not saying it's a direct influence But it's pretty obvious that It is like just the use of the scaffolding on the outside of a building to have people like have an action sequence and i just thought that realism and i think the some of the comedy being relatable as well really helps it in terms of on their airplane where they talk about the beef selection or whatever the food selection and they're (laughs) on about the beef and i just i've already struck a chord with the audience just because it's relatable humor and the relatable I, i really enjoyed that perspective from the film and i'll get into that in a bit
0: To one of your points, though, this is where I do disagree with you because I remember really getting your review, and I do think for the first hour, the jokes were terrible for me. They were really groan-worthy, and I'm I'm sick of hearing, I'm sick of hearing especially the sort of DC fans when they get all territorial or whatever saying like, oh, it's a Marvel movie, so you're going to have ridiculous quips and stuff. And I thought for the first hour it was painful, even to me as a fan. I was like, oh, this is not doing this movie any Um, favours. It doesn't need to have this kind of ridiculous cheesy joke every sort of five minutes and but yet weirdly as I've kind of pointed out in the past as soon as you get to um, the, the compound where the, the Mandarin is and as soon as you introduce Travis Lattery they oh, yeah. are the same level of ridiculous over the top jokes but they work and oh, it's yeah. like why? if you'd only had the restraint to not make any ridiculous quips for the first hour you could have done that and then know that well don't worry about it audience you're gonna get that at some point later in the movie we don't need it every five minutes for fear yeah. of oh they'll lose interest if you don't have a ridiculous joke and I think the, the, joke
1: uh, <laughs> the jokes actually come to a detriment of the characters when I yes. kind of get behind but it does feed into a positive at the end where I just like the, the kind of twist of how they kind of portray the oh, film in terms uh, of the parallels yeah yeah of yeah. course yeah and again I'll get into that when we do get there but I can't deny finding these characters unlikable near the start. They're too modern hippie and like we're rebels. Ah, we hate traditional upbringings. This is too much of that for my liking. Which was reinforced with the segment after the bar scene where they're like, "You think valley parking is easy? Yeah, it's like the most challenging job in the world." And I thought, ugh, I just were like, is this meant to appeal to the youngsters? Because I'm 18, this is not appealing to me. I think not so much. Like true-
0: it's not so much a youth thing I think as a cultural thing so I can't entirely speak to it but I know from uh, having a couple of best friends who are Chinese that there's a lot of that kind of you know you're pressured to go into a great business for your family because they've brought you over to this country and made a life for you and everything and you need to go and be... I can um, understand you
1: know. that when shang is like meeting with her uh, family like exactly, I think yeah, that scene yeah. was really well executed in that sense but when they're just coming out of the, pa- uh, the
0: bar and they're like
1: ooh they don't know where I hate the traditional ruler. I just thought... Ugh.
0: yeah well I, I, I see what you mean and I, I half agree but I also kind of was on board with the fun aspect of like oh we should be responsible but then we're just going to go and the karaoke. do karaoke or whatever which yeah, is like that's there's cute. a relatability I guess to it yeah I,
1: if I if I, disagree, if I disagreed with that I would have
0: mentioned it but it was just that yeah, yeah, yeah. segment that came before that I just felt yeah. with I think that's the point though because you've mentioned that in your review as well is that I think you're supposed to kind of feel a little bit iffy toward Sean Absolutely. before he reveals like really who he is because it's kind of like it's, a, it's an origin story they all kind of begin with a little bit of like uncertainty and is this person a jerk or what what are they hiding or whatever Mm. um but yeah that's slightly off topic anyway (laughs) if
1: if, if i I may i want to go right back to the start because we are talking about action and we did jump ahead but uh, what's the very first thing to praise, in my opinion, is the music. Uh, it was composed by Joel West. The soundtrack was never not overbearing. Um, No, it was never not overbearing. Never overbearing. It was never <laughs> overbearing, yeah. Except yeah. for the song that played over the, the- establishing shots of the city, um, which I found really over the top, blaring, uh, like really bad. But uh, other than that, a compliment the screenplay the music uh, other than that one bit I can't say there was one song I liked more than another it's one of the soundtracks that I've listened to where I thought every track is not only consistently great but also incredibly memorable which is probably more of a compliment than the first bit uh, what do you think of the
0: music and do you agree I literally don't have an it because I'm quite like musically illiterate I guess when it comes to those kind of things so I genuinely didn't notice I didn't think there was anything I've heard really good things about it but it's not my genre of music anyway yeah uh, if you know what i mean because a lot of it i know was like a popular hip-hop artist did the lead song and stuff and it's like it was it, it wasn't jarring it wasn't like this doesn't fit it mm. it all fit with the movie but at the same time nothing stood out to me as like this is just a great song in its own right or this is really enhancing the scene it just kind of was there in it the background for me. yeah but yeah i mean th- th- that's another criticism that there wasn't anything really like that in this film it's just not my types of music but like I said at the same time there wasn't anything where I was like and there's been moments like this where I've watched stuff in the past where something happens or a bit of music comes on and you're like this music is incredibly distracting and not appropriate for this scene mm. <laughs> um, which that, there was none of that at least so, I, I yeah. think
1: again in establishing shots of the city near the star where it was like all the trendy stuff I didn't like that and uh, I should probably mention this this is like my first time watching the MCU in the cinema uh, if you're a reoccurring listener you may have picked up that uh, ice started watching it in march and i've already made it through to uh chong chi like when it was released so like six months just went by and i've caught up on it all and because of this man over here to my uh Indeed. aid michael thank you so much because i i i've actually been talking to a girl recently and uh, just because she likes marvel and i nice. think uh, my my guy, thank you. <laughs> uh, my point is, I, I we I, man, I, we met. <laughs> But yeah, I went to the cinema with my grandparents on this occasion. And it's not their kind of film in terms of it's not their kind of genre They don't do superhero films like you do. and now mm. I do so When the post credit scene come on and we see the Hulk and Captain Marvel and whatever mm. I was getting really excited And then yeah. my grandparents
0: just had no idea what was going on. just didn't have a clue <laughs> and, then,
1: and then there was reference to um, Endgame with like half of the world's population going out. Oh,
0: of course, yeah, throughout the movie, yeah. yeah and then course, I just yeah. had to whisper
1: to my nan, that's a plot, Fred. And then whenever I saw a, like a villain uh, that was like reoccurring, like the cameo of the big guy in um the bar, I just abomination, said, Abomination. Yeah. yeah, the abomination. I just said, that's a recurring character. So we've agreed to watch one Marvel film a week now. Uh me and my nan. Ooh. So we're going to go from Iron Man and I'm going to try and get her into it. So like when we get up to the point of um June and Eternals, she's actually kind of caught up on that. It's Dune yeah. Marvel. No, Dune is not a Marvel movie. No. Oh, okay. Oh, my bad, yeah. my bad. But um when we were at the cinema like the traders came on before mm. and they did a great job this time because when when we won, uh this is a bit of a tangent but we went to watch Stillwater and The Courier in like last month, and the mm-hmm. trailers weren't very similar. But yeah. this is like we saw the uh, trailer of No Time to Die, we saw the trailer of uh, Venom, and by the way, the James Bond film trailer looks amazing. I was like blown does, away. Yeah. These trailers were like linked to it like June. I thought that was Marvel, but apparently not. Uh, But it's a very similar kind of style and they were like, oh that looks good And I thought yeah, the one they were unimpressed with kind of was venom But I was just like
0: yeah, that's a different kind of movie though Because you have like horror really
1: exactly those trailers that kind of captured the essence of the film We were to watch and the film we were to watch that we did watch uh, They were left impressed. They were pleasantly surprised but I think the reason I mentioned this now Because we were on the topic of trendiness and they're not trendy. They are old. So Mm. uh, when I was watching it I kind of watched it through their eyes in the sense that "Ah, that was a bit cringe. That was a bit modern um, There's nothing and so when the bombastic music came on and my granddad just looked at my Nana I thought oh, you're not enjoying this which is why I find the first half hour the karaoke bits a bit yeah but then at yeah. the end it kind of comes full circle and I appreciate the build up more, even though I yes. do still hate the, ooh, Vellipokkan is such a hard job. I hate that. I can't tell you how much I hate that scene because it's badly acted. I think, oh, I don't even know what they were trying to do with that scene, just make him as unbearable as possible. That, that's there's the a couple I of got. scenes,
0: that, yeah, there's a couple of scenes at the start where I think both Simu Liu and Aquafina. Won't do their best acting, shall we say? Yeah. Um, There's a scene when Aquafina, when Katie leaves her parents' house and She's supposed to be, I presume, being like cheeky towards them or something, and she just does the worst acting choice I've ever seen for like a one-sentence thing when she's like, no, I'm going out of here. And I was like, what was that? That Yeah, I agree.
1: And it was uh, (laughs) the scene as well where after the bus scene, it's like, who are you? Uh, uh, You can save it for the plane. And I just think, This is like
0: a dressing down of I hate that in movies anyway When they're like We're in the middle of a conversation Let's continue it When we get to the plane Which will be in like Three hours time Exactly You would have talked At some point before then So the
1: sequencing is messed up But how she's just Berating him With like a really Harsh voice and I didn't like that as well. And you could say oh, it's just because it's a female with like a male voice uh, In this scene and I just think no because if a male was talking like that I'd be like what the hell are you doing mate? Why are you talking like a dog right in that sense? It's like oh, you, yeah. I just thought oh my god like this is yeah. th- this isn't the best acted,
0: but I think yeah, that's uh, enough for negatives <laughs> But since we're on the, It's not quite since we're on the <laughs> subject of characters and stuff though. I really like Katie in terms of they don't make any effort to disguise that she's going along on the kind of plane journey and stuff because she's the audience surrogate type character to the point that they don't even bother explaining it so that when it happens when she's like I'm just going to go with you on this plane to your sister's place or whatever and I was like really? That was a huge leap that she's just randomly but okay I'll go with it Um, but then for for the majority of the rest of the film. She's great because she is that character, so the whole journey through there and then getting to the compound and everything. But then when she arrives in the kind of mystical Talo or whatever it's called, that place, I was like, she this is where they should have... Well, something she gets sidelined. It's that the storyline she gets is ridiculous and transparent. Yeah. To me, um, Like they should have left the character there and or just sent her back to the compound or something until the end of the movie because I was like, they're acting like her learning archery is like a massive big revelation for the character it's you coming into your own i was like what because now you can equal the worst of the avengers <laughs> I, in, in fairness i do
1: like the kind of subplot of the sister uh, like yes. um the sister now being able to train with the men and uh, that are all equals and then yes. at so, yeah. the end where katie's allowed to uh, battle with them after the like the naysaying of the Avedon I can't remember his name just the guy who did the archery I really like yeah, that I don't like they were kind that, of combined so I don't see a tr- transparent
0: rather just like a, a plot thread that's no no fine. it's not that I think it's transparent that at the very end it's basically like she doesn't have a place and she's learning to shoot arrows because it's the only thing you can do and then at the very end of the film it's like of course the critical moment is that she <laughs> has to fire an arrow at a weak point and I was like oh for and that she's it. the one who does it as well <laughs> exactly I was like this is it's too many coincidences in a row that's like oh well that was convenient really wasn't it
1: yeah <laughs> you know? no, it's um, like a very boy Sherwood ending yeah <laughs> it it's, really and that is. was
0: the, that was like the only sort of thing though with that because those scenes where they're training and stuff are really good but I was like that, that's part of the problem I have that I'll get to with the with the whole end scenes is that it just goes on too long and becomes yeah. stupid and generic and sort of CGI mess
1: oh yeah but, uh, <laughs> we're 30 minutes in and I'm actually going to bring it back right back to the very first scene again again <laughs> Uh I said I know you kinda of praised it, but I said the opening sequence on the whole is okay. As I did notice there were a few times that the defenders of like the wall are just standing there waiting to attack when zoo has his back turned. So choreography wise, whilst it was impressive with the special effects, there were moments like that I just noticed and I thought, eh. Um but it has some very impressive CG as I just said. I like how the Ten Rings are used as a force field when Zo is riding the horse towards them. I thought that was the most impressively old bit from that scene, as well as once he had broken down a portion of the defence, rendering them weakened, the whole army attack. It reminds me of my history lessons, where an army would somehow weaken the inner ranks before the whole army attacks. As for the voiceover that was utilised a lot in the first 20 minutes also to set up the story, I wasn't a huge fan but it wasn't a problem either, I did notice a slight reverb or echo or whatever it was, which was a little distracting which I also noticed with the voiceover of the mother talking to the father from beyond the grave layer in the film, which was absolutely unnecessary, like the reverb I'm on one about here, not the scenes in question. Like the oh. reverb is the same for the voiceover explaining uh, the plot, but also on the mother's voiceover. So I just yeah. think, why? Is, why is there no, nothing distinction? It's just like you have one way of doing voiceover and you're going to stick with it for everyone. And I just didn't get that.
0: Yeah. It's a nitpick. I guess I kind of have to disagree because I didn't notice so to call it noticeable would be a lie in my case. Fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you did fair play, I just
1: mentioned um, yeah. the scene where like the two meet the mother and the, uh, the and mother and we... father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I am going to say like the mother, the father, the sister, uh, the the brother or like the son and daughter when I'm talking about these characters
0: I'll keep you right on yeah. apart from the mother whose name I just cannot recall <laughs> I'm sorry Liku okay well there you go you know yeah. that one <laughs> uh, but,
1: but when the two meet it's beautiful we go from the crazy yes. uh the rather bland shots of the forest closing in on mesmerizing garden you could call it with a water feature and a beautiful lady wearing some awesome clothing it's a really nice contrast it's in the scene where we get the battle between the pair of course they'd go on to marry and have children. I really like this whole sequence, including the slow motion, ironically. I already
0: said I do, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the medium close-ups of their faces, they look at each other mid-fight, giving us the first indication of a bond. And ironically enough, it establishes bonds in the final act, which this film does a lot. It has parallels, specifically flashbacks. And this is a note I made in my review that I think you disagree with. Like a lot of uh, films that do involve family separating, they have flashbacks. So in that respect, it's not very innovative, but I digress. I'm sure some will dislike the slow motion, but I personally really like it. And I do love uh, the bits, how they utilize the surroundings when showing off their magic. Specifically, the use of leaves being swirled off the ground to sweep him off his feet and into the waterfall. I really enjoyed that little bit.
0: These are things I don't notice because, again, they're, um, I guess, almost cliches of the kind of action cinema that I watch. So it's the sort of thing that, yeah, I completely 100% agree with you, but I wouldn't call it out because I'm so used to it that I don't even... It's like second nature film language, if that makes sense. uh,
1: Usually, think about the airport fight scene between the avengers i think it's civil war oh it could be a different one but um like whenever someone utilizes the environment they kind of just use like a pole or something with this they actually use the beautiful surroundings which i praised by using leaves and stuff which i thought was very different to what marvel have done before
0: Completely, because it's not really a Marvel thing. Like I said, it's basically, it's Chinese action cinema. As I said, I would compare this opening scene to a a bunch of other things, but mainly to the film Hero, because that is a film that uses the environment, but also uses colour to tell a story. So the swirling of colours along with the fight, if you know what I mean. So Mm. the backdrops are important. And there's points in that movie where you know, the the entire backdrop is on a water and so everything is blue because the lead character is feeling sort of cold and sad or there's a moment where, you know, everything around them is either orange paint or orange flowers and stuff. And there's a lot of that in Chinese, like I said, action cinema, um, where they do, they, they, the whole thing looks gorgeous and, and the environment is way more of a character and is actually used uh, sometimes even in crazy ways like I said where they start just it makes no sense from a western point of view but they'll just start like flying and bouncing off the tops of trees in the middle of a fight and stuff because that's like wire wire work type fighting Um, but it's just a matter of like you said it's using the environment and it's giving you that I guess kinetic action that you that you've come for in that case Um, but yeah I agree with you that's that's part of why I like that first fight is that it wasn't a typical Marvel Studios movie fight, it was very much like I said, a Chinese action martial arts movie type fight. Yeah. Uh, but I just wish there'd been more of that because it's like after that first initial fight in the movie, they abandoned that. And I was hoping there'd be bits throughout the movie. Yeah. But I do actually
1: like the flashback scenes. We see flashbacks from the perspective of the son, the daughter, the father, and the mother to tell different parts of the story in parallel yeah. with the character. Whoever it may be in that moment that's got the focus on them mustering some emotional power off the back of that So for example, if it was a sister uh, Thinking back at how the family kind of culminated She was thinking about the mother or something and like being left on her own and then the very next scene she's allowed to Oh, what do you call it? She's allowed to uh, get involved and then with the son or I it actually may have been the father the, in the father's flashback It was the son who was like punching the the wooden punching bag And then he kind of the son looked at his hands unknown that his father was there and he saw the blood But uh, the resilience his father had installed in him Ensure that he had to carry on but then his father just after a sympathetic moment where he was like Oh, you're going to help me like I've just found you again. You're gonna help me. I'm a changed man We go to this next scene where yes, we see uh, the brutality of this character through the son's desire to carry on and push through pain, but he actually stops him from uh, pushing himself even further and kind of just supports him and I like how that kind of shifts and how it kind of interlinks with the actual plot that's going on and that's my opinion on it on the matter. What do you think of the flashback scenes?
0: my take on that is that I like the flashback scenes I, I allude to this in my Letterboxd review as well I like it because it's a better way of doing exposition than just having characters talk at you it's um, yeah. it's what they always teach you about film which is like sure, don't tell um, so I'd much rather have sequences of like how brutal Death Dealer was towards Shang-Chi in his training and how Jialing wasn't allowed to train with them and how their father looked nice and benevolent but was really a dictator. Um, I'd rather see all that than just have a, one particular scene where Shang-Chi Christian, sits Katie no. down and... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have a scene where Katie sits, uh, Shang-Chi sits Katie down and is like, here's my entire backstory. My father was nice, but I was uh, he was really not. And I was taught really badly. And my sister was... It's like, no, don't just explain it. Do it in the flashbacks because it keeps... It keeps things moving and it keeps yeah. things being action-based rather than we will now stop the action to sit down and talk to you for 10 minutes i'm
1: so glad um, you mentioned this because like when i was doing notes earlier, i was like thinking back at this film there was not much cases of where i've screamed at the screen like show sure, don't tell it was actually like they followed that rule quite a bit yeah. or, like throughout actually Oh, <laughs> uh, was um is the dwelling in darkness the actual like dragon that he rides at the end
0: no, that's the grip protector, which is from um, Chinese culture. I'm
1: it's, the it thing
0: that, and it's, not it's the thing that on. it fights. The grip, the um, Drowler in Darkness, is the thing that they've kept locked up. Oh, um, uh, and uh, that have like, um, those like
1: tentacle things.
0: Yeah, it has the sort of soul suckers that serve it. Yeah, uh, that gradually go out and grab souls, and then it's like once it breaks through, it's going to be terrible because, as I said, it's basically supposed to be another nightmare type creature that Doctor Strange in the comics faces um but they did it here because like i said they just wanted to have ooh why if what if we pick any of our evil uh, demon type characters so that we have something that can I, fight I the dragon i have
1: to respectfully <laughs> disagree here because like once okay. you get to the climax there's got to be something you can not just have him like punching a I disagree. give up
0: what what could I disagree. You, how could you end i think it? this film this film is set up to end and should end with a fight between father and son yes. between chang chi and wen wu once that fight is done, the film should end. It doesn't need to then carry on into, and now a dragon and a demon will fight, because that's ridiculous.
1: I, <laughs> just... I get that point, but the, the kind of message they were going with is that the father will be overcome, of course, like good defeats evil, but in this film, it kind of does good defeats evil, but the evil does a favour to the good, so it's kind of like the dad gets this little bit of uh, a vengeance at the end by giving Shang-Chi the 10 rings, and then it's, it's yeah. kind of like a with the flashback scenes as well. It's kind of like a combined family power to defeat this common enemy. And with that, you have to do something with the common enemy-like the enemy's gotta be common for everyone. Yeah. So, again, they join forces at the end, everyone joins forces at the end. And yeah. I think, a f- like what you just proposed, good versus evil, father versus son, fight would have been a really good way to end but this film doesn't and then because it doesn't there's got to be another final battle after the f- son versus dad and if they did do that I wouldn't be happy with him just being killed off him get the 10 rings and then they all bugger off there's but got to be something f- else but the way he's proposed it would have been the best in my opinion and I agree it, with it you would,
0: it would give you the personal stakes and things but it feeds into one of my other perhaps my biggest problem with the film mm. is that this is not Shang-Chi At all. The character in the comics, his notable aspect is that he has nothing special about him and no superpowers. He's just incredibly good at Kung Fu. He is, you know, his comic is called Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. And this film goes out of its way to give you five ways why he's special and magical and deserves to be a superhero. And I was like, that's fine, but that's not Shang-Chi. He's never been, you know. I now inherit these magic rings, and I ride dragons, and I. Fight. It's just yeah, but it's
1: ludicrous. At the end. That's like the conclusion to the family aspect of this film. Like, I do of like course. how we start the film with Zhu, and then we get introduced to shi a little later, and his introduction. Like, we go from a really ethnic, beautiful but palace even, to the modern day where he's yeah. awakened by a digital alarm. Like, it, even then, though. Contrast.
0: No, but even then, his mother is said to be this mystical woman from a magical land with unhauled powers and stuff. And it's like, no, that's not what the character is about. And it's like the end scene. To your point, the end scene is like they have to have a common enemy and they have to have something to fight. And then it's so bad that that entire scene, to me, exists so that they can say, look, this guy is a superhero worthy of the Avengers. He can ride dragons and fight big demons. And it's like... No, you stop going out of your way to try and point out to me why this character is special. He's special because he's good at coming. He was special <laughs> already
1: as well. Like after he defeated his father of sorts, exactly. Like, but yes. because they carry on, we get to the point where it kind of is self-destructive, because like not a lot of people like the final act. Uh, Included us. I do find those like I know a lot of people including myself finds about 90% of the CGI really impressive, but the one bit of CGI I was really impressed with in this final sequence was when he puts the ten rings Into his throat and then it kind of goes golden and then it kind of explodes like the very final moment of that action I thought was superb but everything else the final two minutes before that I just thought this is so messy it's up his own ass in a sense in terms of the cgi artists it's just like overbearing they wanted to go for this epic battle but it was just like these cgi dragons being rode ridden on by these two like humans you could say well they are humans, but you know yeah exactly it's a weird spectacle to, but that's the see. Thing. to it's me it's just
0: crazy to me that exists and it's just conjecture that exists for two reasons which is first of all to pander to the chinese market because the great protector dragon is from chinese mythology it yeah. has nothing to do with marvel whatsoever so that's just like see we know your culture china um but then equally to because you're in this world and this is controversially this is me criticizing the mcu because we're in a world where things like infinity war and endgame have happened and they want to put over shang chi to give it a wrestling term to make him look like he deserves to be equal to these heroes they have to give him something outlandish and ridiculous to do because we've seen such big level stakes in the previous 23 whatever movies yeah um but then that that's not the character like i said why are you making a shang chi movie where that character is supposed to be fully grounded and he would fight things like death dealer and razor fist and it's, it's never been a, a situation in the comics where he's like, and then he rides a dragon <laughs> and will defeat an alien army. It's like, no, that's not what this character is. If you want to yeah. make a character like that, fair enough. But don't market it as a Shang-Chi movie because it's not.
1: Yeah, I think you did <laughs> allude to it earlier about him being... This ordinary guy and then he kind of brought up and he's not this powerful person And yeah. I think it's very humbling and this is my final note. I hope you have some more notes So just like
0: oh, I have lots. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: okay Christ uh, above I kind of said I like the training montage from being defeated yeah. as a team to them working even harder to Overcome that and be the best it can be There's even better training scenes of course, but I find him being hit by wooden sticks as really impactful and grimacing moment. And I just thought that's a really humbling moment for his character. And it's an example of what he did have to overcome to get to that point. And then that's why I think the scene where he goes from this palace as a kid to this um, like beeping uh, alarm, like as an adult, I found that really impactful. It's like he's he's fallen from grace, he's fallen from heaven somehow he's lost he's not realised his full potential what went wrong and what's going to happen next in a story to throw him out of his comfort zone and I really like that approach with this film and that's exactly what they did I predicted it but I like that well that's yeah that's Chinese
0: culture as a whole is the ancient meets the modern do you know what I mean so that's that's what their whole aesthetic and their whole kind of I like you (laughs) respect (laughs) me please I mean you're talking about like massive high tech cities with neon lights right next door to like a you know, 11th century cottages in the forest somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it's it is a country of like ancient stuff right next to modern stuff. And that's so, why
1: I really liked um, the um, well, what you call it? The scaffolding scene because yeah. like you have these uh, the very uh, basic uh, metal and wooden structures keeping them up. at the side of the. Uh, building like scaffolding that's all it is essentially but then in the background and also the reflecting which i also really want to point out i didn't actually make a note of this but the reflections are uh, the use of reflections in this film it was yes cu- uh, used quite a lot i big praise but my point is for this particular moment is how they're fighting on these like really retro things like basic stuff but then you have the skyline beautiful skyline but you also have the modern buildings in the background mm. being reflected and also in the scenes where it's just kind of pointing outwards the camera you can see all the, uh, the all the lights properly and i just thought wow and that's why i was so informed by the scaffolding scene, the scaffolding mm-hmm. battle just because it looked beautiful and also the shots and how it's choreographed i just thought it was superb and i think that is the best action scene in the mcu in my opinion
0: yeah it's very good and i also like one part i have forgot to mention about that is the scene where they're actually inside. They're not outside on the scaffolding. They're inside, but it's the place where it's like lit up with a neon, almost in kind of bright but shadow. Yeah. Um, and it looks he's fighting one on one against somebody, possibly Death Dealer. Uh, and it looks it almost turns into like a ninja shadow battle uh, in that kind of uh, cliche way that you get in these kinds of movies. And I was like, I wish they'd went the full hog, but I can understand why they didn't. And yet that scene is really yeah,
1: that's cool. That's the MCU fan in you, like the MCU geek in you. No, that's the no.
0: That's my Chinese culture fan because if they'd went full on on, like lowering the Chinese screen and you only see shadows fighting the general audience would be like, well this is not satisfying, why are there shadows? But I'd be leaping out of my sheet like, yes! A ninja (laughs) shadow battle! (laughs) But nobody else would like it. One of the things I did want to sort of piggyback off with you is when you're talking about um, how cool it is that you see kind of how brutally Shang-Chi's treated in the past and stuff, Mm. Um, it feeds into my criticism that you don't need the Doctor Strange demon because you have a lot of villains there that are way because it sets up that because it's Death Dealer that was doing that that was really abusive to him as a kid and for whatever reason he's still around in the modern day I was like I really would love to see a personal fight between Shang-Chi and Death Dealer where it's like payback for all of the abuse like I've become such a good fighter partly because of you that now I'm going to defeat you but instead Death Dealer gets attacked by a demon thing and gets his soul sucked out and that's it for that character? I was like, that's so disappointing. <laughs> I was I was expecting oh, so yeah. much more, you know? Because we kinda saw um,
1: a bit of it in the trailers and like everyone was just like really, really excited for that. Like the whole bar scene with the abomination and whatnot. And what we got in the film, it was like a. I saw a common criticism of this film in the reviews that it's like, if you're looking for Marvel stuff, like Marvel references mm-hmm. and whatnot, it's blinking, you'll miss it. That was me, uh, I yeah. Said. <laughs> and it is, it is pretty much that. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, you mentioned that as well. And I think it's the same with this, which is why I appreciate the inclusion of Wong a bit more than you maybe, because I thought I'm fine with
0: good. Wong because at least he comes back in the post credits. But I wish they hadn't spoiled Abomination in the trailer because he's in it for like three seconds. Yeah, <laughs> but I do like how Wong like uses his powers to make him punch himself. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A
1: bit uh, easy, okay. but fun.
0: Yeah, that's all kind of cool, but uh, well, one of my bigger issues is in terms of like I've already mentioned that the character isn't really Shang Chi. Um, no offense, you know I absolutely love I that this character is getting chance in the character Or agree to disagree. Um, the character is let me let me rephrase that. The character isn't Shang Chi from the comics, um, but it's a Marvel interpretation of Shang Chi, and I'm fine with that. Apart from the fact that I wish they'd made it less like. We've got to make him special and uber-powered. But I'm fine with the deviations from the Marvel comics in a lot of cases because, as I've mentioned, a lot of the Shang-Chi comics are incredibly racist, especially by modern yeah. standards. What would you and say? Things, uh, uh, just yeah. to interject here,
1: like, I know the audience may be like, okay, this guy's well-informed, so what is it specifically? So... And I'm interested as well, actually. Like, what is your opinion on like the actual movie's depiction of him? What's wrong with it? Like, what
0: particular moment?
1: Oh, in terms of of Shang Chi, I've
0: already, I've already mentioned in terms of Shang Chi. It's mainly just because it's just because he's supposed to be more of a street level hero. Sure. Like, if you want,
1: but what specific scene? Because I don't get that impression at all until the very end.
0: It's just that throughout, he's like I said, they, they go out of their way. I'm just going to be repeating myself, but they go out of their way to say like he's special, like his mom is special straight away. And then he gets there, and it's like he's linked to the ten rings of the Mandarin, which the character isn't in the comics remotely. Um, okay. And you know, he's, he's got a destiny to carry these rings, and then he can be the one fated to ride the Great Protector Dragon, and he's he gets welcomed by his magical auntie to this. And sort all of this never happened in the comics then not at all like yeah, I said yeah. this, the character in some ways is way more similar to Iron Fist in the comics but mm. because Marvel did a very very poorly received Netflix show with that character they kind of screwed that character over yeah, okay. um, and to be fair he is like a white guy appropriating Chinese culture so it's not great but he's always the guy that's like he defeated a dragon plunged his fist into the heart of a dragon and now he has a magical glowing fist you know that's the kind of thing that fits into this yeah. world a lot better than, than Shang-Chi the character would um, but conversely to that, to give it a positive, as I've said, the initial comics being so racist, I do kind of like that his father isn't Fu Manchu in this, obviously. Um, and it was changed to being the Mandarin, which I guess, fair enough, or a version of the Mandarin, even though they, they point out that was just a name that uh, yeah, um, Guy um, Pearce's character picked, you know what I mean? But that gets brushed off to the side as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, one of my other issues with the, with the film is that the Ten Rings themselves are not the ones from the comics. Oh, and what? They changed way too much, but I, I have I have a point. Bear with me. Okay. Um, is that, yes, the, the, they changed the rings to be hungar, what they call hungar iron rings, which they use in martial arts training because it strengthens your arms. And I was like, right, fair enough. You want to change them to being... Arm bracelets or whatever instead of rings because we've had infinity stones and that's fine. But the point of the 10 rings in the comics is that each one does something different because they're like uber powerful. So it's like one will yeah, alter gravity, one will change, you know, probability, one will blast you, one will freeze you, etc. And there's none of that in this movie. It's just they're basically the 10 rings are just a fancy plasma blaster. And I was like, that's so disappointing because there's so much you could do with that concept from the comics and instead you're just like it just fires blue energy i was like oh that's so (laughs) so lame really (laughs) did you notice that from the trailers because i don't think you've actually mentioned this but it feels like a point that you would have actually noticed before there are scenes obviously in the comics where you can combine the powers and it would do something like you know all glow in one color and become an uber powerful thing and whatever but i still thought there'd be more to it than that yeah um and even to the point of like this is going to be a really deep dive and people are going to hate me. But <laughs> in the comics, um, the the Ten Rings basically are of alien origin. Um, <laughs> so they're from a, a species called the McLuhan's um, who use the Ten Rings Are basically control things for their spaceship and that's how the Mandarin gets them. They're not magical as such. They're kind of an alien thing. Um, and the film, I think, at the end is kind of... Again, it starts to get pandery because it's like um, when Shang-Chi gets the rings, that's when Wong comes to him and is like when you use them, something amazing happened and an energy we've not seen, some kind of alien energy happened and something's yeah. been called. And I was like... I know you're baiting me because you're trying to be like, see, we know the history. We might introduce Finn, Fang Foom and the McLuhans and stuff, but I also know you're not going to. And I know that it was in the end of, like, it was the Eternals that received the message because that's your next movie kind of thing. Um, and I do not appreciate being baited, Marvel.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually happened in a previous film from Marvel where Wong yeah. just, like, randomly appears. Was it at the end of a TV show maybe? or well, maybe not um, oh it could have been at the end of Falcon Soldier I'm going
0: to have, have to have to do this uh, long list of
1: there's a scene of at
0: the end of um, oh, what is it the end of Doctor Strange which leads into Ragnarok where it's strange talking to Thor it's probably
1: um, it's probably that because it, it's before Endgame 100% yeah. which is weird because I literally just said it may have been a part of the TV shows but yeah it, it leads into Endgame so it probably is uh, leading into Ragnarok but again, it's everything's forgiven by having him do karaoke with him at the end. Come on. That's Yeah. Great.
0: It's a great scene and everything, but it's again it's related back to what I was saying is my issue with the Ten Rings is that they obviously don't know where they came from yet and don't have an explanation for them so they just end the movie with don't worry we'll give you one we know and it's like well do it in the movie it's the title of the movie is and the legend of the ten rings and you make no effort to explain
1: what of legend is I do get the impression especially with the post credit scene so they're trying to make it like a second Avengers like I, yeah. I, I'm intrigued to know because I know I had this conversation with Luke that Eternals because I was interested about the Eternals because I said to him are the eternals just a uh, lesser known avengers in the comics and he was like no they're their own characters that like get superhero powers or whatever i can't remember the actual conversation but they're not the no. new avengers so i thought because the no. avengers are pretty much kaput right now that they would be the next ones but apparently not you just said no so obviously they're not so i just get the impression no. that in the next like handful six five six films they're going to introduce
0: all these new characters I have an inkling that they're building up to something different for the next Avengers movie, which I've already referenced oh. um it's it's going to be young Avengers they're deliberately <laughs> introducing so many younger characters um, and they're not doing that for no reason. so they've introduced Wander's two Sons and um what's his name the the Black Captain America. Oh, I feel awful <laughs> for remember not remembering his name <laughs> um, yeah but that guy's, that guy's if,
1: grandson you're just saying the Black Captain America. yeah (laughs) it's not anything you can
0: describe in black what it's something something Bradley is it I can't I don't know I can't remember but anyway um that guy's grandson also a young Avenger uh becomes Patriot um Ant-Man's daughter, who they've just recast, is another of the Young Avengers. Uh, Kate Bishop as Hawkeye, another of them, who's coming in the Hawkeye show. Uh, And, you know, they're introducing, they're not technically Young Avengers, but they're introducing Ms. Marvel and Ironheart and stuff. So these are all characters that could be slotted in. I do get that impression,
1: especially with the post-credits, where just, like, Marvel and, what do you call it, Uh, the Hulk just... Pop out of nowhere, and I just think they're leading to something, and they're not gonna be in contact
0: with him for nothing. They've, there's gotta be a
1: plan there somewhere.
0: I think you're po- probably, possibly even, but you're also potentially putting too much faith in Marvel. No, uh, no, I'd no, because to-
1: when I watch these post-credit scenes, I think okay, they're all building up to endgame, the Infinity Stones, Fanos, and whatnot. not.
0: There and are times, think- though, when they've they've mucked up because they've done something and then it makes no sense. So, for example, oh, the, um, the end scene of The Incredible Hulk where Stark talks about recruiting General Ross for the Avengers instead of the Hulk. Um, and then they had to basically undo that in one of the Marvel one-shots because it doesn't make any sense with the setup for Avengers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I hope they have got a plan, but... <clears throat> Excuse me, but at the same time, I'm not sure what it is other I than mean, the fact that uh, I
1: think you you being a bit hesitant to get on with this is based on your opinion that they are going to do a Young Avengers. So I think one of our opinions are right. I've not heard the Young Avengers point before but I think it
0: must either be that there's too much sound for it, it not to be Avengers. done Yeah, which isn't to say that they can't do another Avengers movie down the road but I don't think that's what they're setting up here I think they're setting up if anything perhaps something bigger like a big crossover the way that mm-hmm. they keep referencing that um, the rings are calling to something and it's an unknown el- energy so it's either alien or it could be from the multiverse or anything
1: yeah um, I, mean, I hope they don't end Wonders vision like they did in vision because uh, you know my opinions on that like I think you even conceded at the end that you don't think there's that you think there's going to be repercussions for her story but after so i think she's got to come back in my opinion because one division i know is your number one marvel thing but i don't
0: think that would be a satisfying end to her character and her story. No, but they, were, they said before that story started that this was that WandaVision would lead directly into Doctor Strange 2 and that Wanda was the co-star of that movie. But anyway, let me just quickly go through some things. I just wanted to quickly say that I like the acting in this film. I think everyone's involved is great. I think Simu Liu and Aquafina are good. I think yeah, uh, I Ben film. King... I think Ben Kingsley uh, as Trevor Slattery could have been terrible and should have been but steals the movie he's where it actually gets funny and it's hilarious and it's like the loudest
1: laughs from the cinema by the way
0: completely and he's brilliant I mean he really is he's he's just a brilliant character and the bit we did at the start about like and the monkeys were acting and even down to the kind of um, I'm not dead I'm just acting I'm giving a performance so get down here it was a great twist (laughs) (laughs) it was a great moment at the end of the movie and I was like yeah yeah more things like that but uh, excuse me, because it was like a really
1: intense like sequence, but then you just get that little light humor. Because again, you could see his a criticism, but I don't, in terms of there's this big battle going on, but then the father kind of goes on an errand like into the temple, and then his son just kind of stops in the middle of a battle to notice. And then there's a little bit like 10 seconds after where like his sister stops as well. But then of course you have like the twist where like there's something behind her But then she kind of deals with him and then she says go off go get him But all this time He's literally standing in the middle of a vicious battle, which I kind of see the negative there sure <laughs> But my point is that it kind of works. It is it, it's fine. It's works fine enough, but with Kingsley's character I think that um, in the post battle it, pretty, it was pretty much post-battle by that point there was a bit more action at the end but in terms of like that where it was slotted there wasn't much going on, everyone was pretty much dead and he was playing dead as well so it makes sense and I think if you justify that scene along with the Shang-Chi just stopping scene, it kind of works, it's fine, just turn your brain off, have, f- go with it, is what I would say. With a lot of this film, I think the final 20 minutes, oh, not the tw- final 20, I'd say the final 10 is where it just goes in and on itself in an indulgent way, and I think mm-hmm. that's inexcusable, but... I do like the comedy and how the comedy is portrayed, even if it doesn't make sense in some cases.
0: Yeah. Um, The only other thing I wanted to say is, like, from an acting standpoint, I really loved the scene and scripting, actually, and plot. I liked the scene where... Um, Chang chis mom Yingli uh, where she's basically attacked and killed by the Iron Gang and he, him being like seven years old he's just told to go and hide and does but then at the end the end battle it's really kind of it's, it's a gut punch when his dad brings up and it's like you just stood there you did nothing and I, that's the reason that she's dead it was kind of like
1: I, we've seen that in other stuff though you, Like yeah but it's, it's, I, but it's still
0: effective it, though
1: <laughs> I just thought what was this kid meant to do? The seven-year-old kid against, like, 30 grown men. Yeah,
0: but there's no rationality in somebody who's, like, br- grieving and kind of...
1: I didn't feel the emotional punch. I, I knew where it was okay. try- what I was trying to do, but I didn't feel it like that.
0: See, I, I did, but I think it, I think I like the acting and the plotting of it. Um, what was I going Yeah, Yeah, that, that couples with the fact that I think that that personal end fight really should have been... The climax point of the movie uh, between Wu and Shang-Chi and then it just ends with him finally defeating his father and getting the rings rather than getting them handed to him because um, this it's just a bit less impressive to me that
1: I did criticise like. it a bit earlier but um, I just want to say the scene uh, the slow-mo specifically I criticised but I actually really liked the, the slow-mo when he kind of ducked under the Razor fist blade um, mm. I think that uh, second one was fantastic that little scene yeah. clip in there. But yeah, that's yeah. the
0: point. Also worth pointing out, I love that Razor Fist's name is never mentioned, but it's because he's so vain that his his name is spray painted on the side of his car. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we know how name I, I actually think he
1: was a really good semi-villain in this as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, between Razor Fist, uh, Wenwu, and Death Dealer, like I said, why did you then think, oh, these three villains aren't enough. Let's chuck a Doctor Strange demon in. It just seems daft. But um again anyway. we've,
1: we've spoken about this, I disagree. I just yeah. I just agree with you on the sense that the dragons is pushing it a bit too far. Wow, way too. And, far.
0: Yeah, I've, I've said this before, but just in case it's kind of cut. Or well, we mentioned it in before we started recording. I don't love that. Like I said, it gets to kind of halfway, and when they get to Talo, oh, the movie just becomes Black Panther uh, <laughs> all over again. Um, but yeah, so that's very recognizable. That pre yeah, and
1: I may as well say it because it was pre-recording that I completely agree. I was like, I know it's the similarities. And I did uh, mention to you that it may be a bit offensive to the MCU fans in that culture. Like, it's all under one umbrella, like, blanket stereotype, you could say, that they're both, these both.
0: I think it's uh, fair because, I mean, yeah. it, it makes it makes sense for Black Panther because that's his comic book character. But it's not to the best, it's, to the best of my knowledge, at least Shang-Chi isn't from, like, a mystical city that's protected by magic or anything like that, um, or tech or anything. So yeah. it is very much like, it seems to be falling into that trope even though it's it's putting a square peg in a round hole in that regard but, um, but again it's uh, yeah go for it yeah it's just a matter of isn't it it's it's appealing to the chinese culture respect and, and to that particular audience because uh, just let me quickly run through this list <laughs> the list of creatures that you see in talo are all actually creatures from chinese myth and legend um so you have the, the Dun which is what Morris is basically, which is the thing without a face, but with wings. Uh, Yeah. Very weird creature, Uh, you know, primordial and central chaos in, in Chinese language. Uh, exemplified in a bizarre creature without a face you know
1: i i, I like that and i while you're on this note, i do like how they use like the creatures and yes. especially there's this one moment where one of the soldiers like kind of like attack this lion creature and then it just looks at uh, why he shot at him and then he just goes for his throat and i thought that was hilarious like how yeah. they actually used one of the creatures uh for comedic affair was a touch of gold
0: Those creatures in particular, just to to, to, to piggyback off that, are hugely well-known. They're Chinese guardian lions, uh, sometimes called shishi or lion dogs or foo dogs. Uh, They're seen all over Chinese architecture. You'll see them everywhere. Um, And I noticed straight away, as soon as that was the first thing you saw in Talo, I was like, yep, (laughs) Chinese guardian dragon. similar to the great protector dragon. I got what that was. Um, The others I had to look up, but apparently there's something called the Feng Huang. Apologies, I'm probably butchering all of this Chinese lion language But uh, that is the thing that looks like a phoenix, basically, a bird that's on fire fl- flying through. Um, and I do remember seeing a few of those in Tallow as well. Uh, there's also the Huli Jing which looks like the Pokemon Ninetales, but isn't. It's just a nine-tailed fox that the Pokemon was based on, which, again, I do remember seeing in a couple of scenes of like, wow, look at the scenery. Uh, And the thing that I do remember in the movie is called a Quillin, which uh, it's described in the film as a weird horse, and it looks like a kind of horse-dragon hybrid thing. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's also something from actual Chinese culture. So just if you wanted to look those up, it's perhaps worth mentioning that those aren't like comic book things or anything, they're actual... Chinese mythological beasts I don't have much but I did put out a tweet to say uh, what were people's thoughts on Dragon. now it's been out a little while uh, at Skimmerad, Steve Wozling on Twitter said uh, I really enjoyed it loved the friendship of Sean and Katie amazing fights great returning characters wonderful creatures to be a bit critical it's a shame the finale was FX driven rather than showing off more fighting as that was a real strength uh, yeah I can kind of agree with all of that um, George White at George underscore white says love it breath of fresh air can't wait for more one of the stronger origin stories but a little bit slow in the middle I believe he gave Uh, it
1: a five star I know he didn't give a rating in that tweet but on his podcast it may have been Connor his podcast but he did give it a five out of five
0: I believe fair enough Um, and the other the only other thing I did I, I put out a tweet to say uh, you know, we're quite deep into phase four of the MCU now, so what is your favourites? Uh, and there's a couple of things that do relate here. Um, the fourth dimension said favourites so far are Shang-Chi on film, WandaVision on TV, most anticipated Hawkeye for the debut of my favourite 21st century character and the best young Avenger, Kate Bishop. So praise for a lot of things, but definitely Shang-Chi in there. Uh, and At Tom Sly, I'm not gonna try and pronounce your surname this time, Tom. He's a regular contributor. He says, It's a tough question. Wonder Vision, Loki, and Shang-Chi have all been excellent. I can't (laughs) judge what (laughs) How how dare you. I can't judge what if yet because it's not over. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was really disappointing, I thought, and Black Widow was solid. Um, I'll start with the very short ones. Um, Somebody called Danny just says, Aquafina is ride or mother effing die, and then gives the movie four stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Abby responds to that with, not to gatekeep, but the real Aquafina fans have been around since MTV's Girl Code, then gives this film four and a half stars. Um, Alex Marzonia, who is actually Asian, so I did want to point this out um, to give his uh, particular view because it's got a bit more relevance. He says, this movie... He says this movie rules. Fist pumps, but slowly unfurls fist into open hand. I was in tears for the whole prologue because it how it. because of how it reminded me of watching kung fu movies with my cousins and parents and then just seeing a lot of asian imagery and culture in a movie this big hit many trigger points i'm such an easy target for these things it also helps that simu liu and tony lung are especially great and recently watching leung in his younger days in so many wong Wai movies just added to the melancholy and sadness here i can't wait to see this so many more times number three on marzonia's mcu rankings p.s just real quick yes it gets cgi heavy at the end but to me it emulates myth and epic storytelling so it actually makes sense in this mcu movie to me yeah Uh, eric (laughs) says um oh sorry um, and alex gives the movie five stars i should have said um out of five so there we go eric says um some pretty cool fights but easily the most explosive and thrilling moment was tony leung giving like a small sad smile Uh, that was eric zipper and he gave it three and a half stars Uh, I'll just do one more because some of them are quite long Uh, and this is PLD, Paul DiNuzio uh, gave the movie four stars and says, it took me a while to get hyped before seeing this film. I wasn't sold for the longest time, but it built and now that I've seen it, I'm sold. I was all on board. I have nitpicks for sure. I think some of the fight sequences were over edited. Okay. The cinematography was a Agreed. bit dark at times. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> at times it didn't need to be. Aquafina learning a bow and arrow in one day. Mm. That aside, Michelle, you was just an amazing performer. Yes, should have said that. Uh, Tony Leung steals the film on every single level. Fala Chen and Simu Liu fit perfectly in what was needed. While I complained about some of the fight sequences, some of them were beautifully shot. All in all, this was what I needed as a new basis for the next phase of the MCU, whereas Black Widow felt a bit too much caught in the previous phase. Okay. Interested to see uh, interested to see Liu be more integrated into the MCU proper as we move forward, and, as importantly, where he goes in the next Shang-Chi film, if there is one. I think uh, there will be. There was a-
1: <laughs> I, I think uh, Tony Leung definitely stole the show with this. I think he yeah. outshone simulu.
0: Uh, awesome. But yeah, I think there will be another Shang-Chi film. I think that second post-credit sequence was uh was not there for no reason, shall we say.
1: So this is my conclusion of Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. Finally, something good to come out of phase four. This is my first time watching Marvel on the cinema blah blah blah. Needless to say I think this is the best shot MCU film, the direction is simply superb, the action scenes are undoubtedly the best, the bus scene gets a lot of praise in this respect and rightfully so, but what amazes me more is the scaffolding battle, that is the only time for a time in the uh, jaw drop whatever, simply put the choreography is utterly fantastic. I wouldn't say this film follows an MCU structure at all so cliches in that respect are avoided and the story is uh, put above build up build up final battle which I've come to learn is pretty much the standard for these films uh, like the MCU instead the final battle is incorporated into the story rather than focus on good versus evil as I said though there is some of that naturally. The point I'm trying to make is cliche if you compare it to elderly family reunion like films Cliche because it doesn't do a very good job at innovating. And whilst I'm on the subject of the negatives, the final 15 minutes are pretty mad. Some impressive CGI, of course, I uh, named the specific example, but it's quite overwhelming and well, mad, I guess. It got confused. Lovely parallels, excellent CGI, tight rating, and well performed by all involved. can say there was enough performance as the unlikability of Sean and Katie towards the start. And I put in brackets a sizable portion of the first half hour is pretty cringe. Was purposeful as it Excellent callback towards the end where we see the story presented in the eyes of others, hearing the story in disbelief was a twist in the sense that we didn't know what they were actually truly talking about before the actual story unfolded on screen which gives a satisfying ending which encapsulates everything the film was going for and I said my grandparents even liked it and they had their reservations as they don't like this kind of stuff uh, I didn't actually ask for my nan's like score out of 10 but I know she really enjoyed it and I'm sure she'd give it like a 9 or a 10 and then with my granddad, he actually gave it an 8 out of 10 so like a four star so they were both like 4 or 4. 4.5 star out of five uh, i well, I'll get to it in well. but I also said we also have a review of this coming out of the Big Screen Podcast on the 16th today uh, well for you guys listening maybe if you're not listening to it, I digress um, it's very h- high up on my ranking and I will concur with the best origin story sentiment uh, for the record my MCU ranking top five is Avengers Infinity War Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2 Avengers Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and Spider-Man Far From Home Uh, so that is my conclusion and I gave it a 4.5 out of 5
0: Michael okay Uh, right so my conclusion is uh, let's start here not to use an old sporting cliche but I'd say the film is somewhat a game of two halves the first hour or so I personally found outstanding though I'll acknowledge that your enjoyment of it will depend entirely on how much you like Chinese action cinema and cultural milieu uh, the pace surprised me as exposition is snappy or saved for fast flashbacks excuse me uh, this first hour features three almost back to back fight scenes which are not just probably the best in the MCU but generally just outstanding action cinema you can really see that stunts and fighting are happening for real and it's dazzling the last hour though goes a bit off the rails uh, levels of nonsense increase exponentially until an ending that is among the worst in a franchise of bad CGI end fights the film should and could have ended 20 minutes earlier On the plus side, the film is incredibly reverential and respectful to Chinese slash Asian culture, myths, and legends. Sadly, it's less so to the actual Marvel source materials. These characters and situations bear no resemblance to their namesakes, sometimes for the better, sometimes worse. Uh, a lot of the most important moments were spoiled by trailers and promotion, sadly, and don't get excited by any MCU cameos because you blink and you'll miss them. Uh, the very end sets up intriguing things to come as with every Marvel film, but the actual grand finale of this story was less than impressive. Uh, that said, every single actor was outstanding. Uh, Trevor Slattery could have been detrimental, but makes the movie, uh, and whilst there's some typical Marvel comedy that's cringe-worthy, there's at least as much that hit for me. Uh, good characters, interpersonal relationships, and a good start then but Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings don't expect a recognisable version of either. Uh, And I gave the film three and a half stars.
1: And that comes to the very satisfying uh, final score, a 4.0 out of five.
0: (laughs) Wow.
1: Yes, which goes on to our Series 2 leaderboards, which I should have mentioned at the start. But yes, this is indeed Series 2 of the Big Screen Podcast. Um, So what we're going to do in true Marvel format We've split this series into two phases, so to speak. Uh, so we're not here next week, but we are here on the 7th of October to kick off truly the second leg before it comes to a conclusion, like two weeks later. But with a uh, review of styles and you hope with uh, two special guests, I'll be in that solo hosting. And then afterwards, on the 21st of October, we're going to be reviewing No Time to Die, and that'll. Uh, wrap up phase one of the series two of the podcast and then we're going on to phase two with seven films that will see us into Christmas Eve well just before Christmas Eve but you get my drift.
0: Just let me just let me jump in quickly. Uh, I forgot to say because you gave your uh, thing that um, Shang-Chi is number 14 on my MCU list. Uh, 14th but that includes the TV shows including just the movies. It comes in 12th um, sure. so just outside my top 10 yeah so again i'm not editing this so if you're wondering where i've been the whole time it's probably because will's just cut out everything that i said uh <laughs> but yeah <laughs> otherwise uh we'll catch you for the next one i guess
1: yeah again the next one will be star wars and you Her with george part and Joe con who some viewers may recognize from uh the spin the Wheel podcast or doctor who podcast where we reviewed the mind robber an episode that did really well on spotify but yeah besides the point they'll be joining me and And we'll see you then. Peace out. Bye. Blue.